So we continue with the story of Abraham, which teaches us how God uh, trains faith in people and also teaches us that the promise given to Abraham that he would be in an inheritor or the inheritor of the world is for all of us, because through the promise that God gave Abraham came the seed which was Jesus Christ. And Christ, Abraham's son, in the faith of uh, that he had before God, Abraham's son was Jesus Christ, who was to become the inheritor of the world. And we, through him, inherit the world. I mean, it's just an astonishing truth that is so great that uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, hard to believe it. And yet we have so many beautiful lessons to learn from this faith uh, as we explore it in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. So Paul says, as it is written, I have made you the father, a father of many nations. What is so interesting about this verse, uh, it's a quotation from uh, Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, and it's the uh, occasion where God tells Abram, uh, now I'm using the word Abram, A-B-R-A-M, which was his original name, which simply meant Lord, and he told him a year before the birth of the child, uh, Isaac, to change his name to Abraham. Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And he says, uh, you shall no longer be called Abraham, but Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, how interesting that God told him that he had made him a father of many nations before ever his child was born and before ever he was a father of many nations. And this is where Paul, and why, I should say, Paul says, referring to the God who made this promise, uh, here it is, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which are not as though they were. Or another translation is, and calls those things which do not exist as if they already did. Now, this is the wonder of God. God speaks to Abraham as if the future were already the present. He speaks of the future as if it were already the present. So, Abraham, can you sort of try to imagine this? Abraham is a social person, uh, presumably goes to the village, the town, uh, visits the elderly people at the gate, and possibly goes to the local inn, has a drink occasionally with the men of the town, and he says, by the way, I've changed my name. Oh, yes. What's all that about? And what is your name change? Well, my name is no longer Abraham, but Abraham. Well, of course, they would look askance at Abraham, because Abraham meant father of a multitude. And everybody knew that Abraham did not have a child of his own, nor through Sarah. And so it must have seemed very, very peculiar to them. Was Abraham losing it? Was he going into dementia? Was he having a, a delusion of grandeur? You see how faith very often 
before the world appears ridiculous. Here is Abraham, Abraham trusting God and trusting God's promise that he will be heir of the world. And he proclaims it by the change of his name and it is an embarrassment to him. Well, that is how our faith is when we, tra- when we declare that we are going to rise from the dead. We are going to be heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to return to the world and completely take over the kingdoms of the world, which don't know how to rule themselves anyway. What an astonishing thing to say, but to the world, what a silly thing to say. It sounds as though we're still believing in fairy stories. It sounds as though we're going back to our childhood and having fantasy dreams. But this is what faith is. Faith embarrasses. And we like to speak of God, maybe to the world, but when we speak of Jesus, that's a little bit more embarrassing, isn't it? But what we do as Christians is take on the Lord's embarrassment. We are willing to be embarrassed for his sake. Well, that's one thing we learn about this, but uh, from this verse. But another thing we learn, as I alluded to, is that God speaks of the future as if it were the present. Now, you know, before we come to understand faith in Jesus Christ as our righteousness, we have possibly looked at righteousness as something we slowly attain through successful overcomings of this and that sin and the other. We look at righteousness as something that is future to us and that we are attaining by discipline. So in our prayer life, we're asking God to make us more holy, make us more righteous. Please help me to overcome this and that, dear God. And we're always looking at our holy life and our righteous life as something future which has yet to be attained. But when we understand the gospel, we start changing our prayers, not intentionally perhaps, but just by the very nature of the truth that we're believing now. And that is that Christ is our righteousness. He is not our way to righteousness. He is our righteousness. And thus we uh, see uh, the verse in Romans uh, that um, those who have faith in him are accounted righteous, that the ungodly are treated, are justified, declared innocent as they trust in him. And so this is the same thing that Abraham is experiencing, bringing the future into the present. Lord God, I thank you for the righteousness that I have in Jesus Christ. Now, you know, as you're struggling with an addiction, again, you look at the uh, overcoming of that addiction as future. You count the days that you've been free from alcohol, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or the months and so on. Rightly so in a certain way. But you also affirm, Father in heaven, I thank you that you have given me your Son as my righteousness, and therefore there is no judgment upon me and no condemnation, no guilt as I struggle through this thing because I am already counted as righteous by you. This is not God putting a blindfold on and kidding himself. It is God who is in the future, who knows the future, who is present in the future. And for him, you are already there because he knows how to bring you there. 
So we have a wonderful faith message here that we need to uh, uh, cling to. Let me read it again. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls thing, those things which, are, which do not exist as though they did. And so we praise God. We thank him for the righteousness we have. We thank him for the salvation that we have. Instead of looking for it uh, as a future thing that we hope to attain, we receive it now by faith. This is the Christian who is able to see with the eyes of God, the eyes of faith, into the future and know that that future is already present. Think of how this changes your faith. Lord, I thank you for the the healing of my body, which is sick right now, dear Lord. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you get a healing in this world. Perhaps it does. People have been known to praise God for the healing that has not yet come to them, and then it arrives. But it means especially that you will be fully healed with a totally restored and new body without any sickness or death when Jesus Christ comes. And so you thank God for that now. And then notice also that Paul says something seemingly uh, mild, and yet it has a lot of import. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. It's as if Abraham is standing in the presence of God on our behalf, just as Jesus stands in the presence of God on our behalf. And on our behalf, Abraham receives the kingdoms of the world. Yes, he hasn't f had the f promise fulfilled yet. He's dead, and he didn't get it then before he died, all the kingdoms of the world, but he got the seed of that f promise. All these died in faith, it says in Hebrews, not having received the promise, because they were to receive it together with us. And so that promise comes to us in its um, sapling form, incipient form, in Jesus Christ our Savior. In him all things are received. So it's as if God is pronouncing his kingdom to the world, to this man, Abraham. And he's saying, don't be fooled by the evil and the trouble in the world, as if uh, the powers of good and evil are still fighting each other and we don't know which, what is the outcome yet. Don't be fooled by that. That is dualism. It is not Christianity. It is not, it is not Judaism. The truth of the gospel is that Christ already won the victory before Satan fell to the earth. Rather, he won the victory, and the indication of that was that Satan was cast to the earth. Read Romans, uh, rather, Revelation chapter 12, and you'll see that very clearly. The arrival of Satan on the earth is an announcement of his defeat. And the whole history of the world from that time to this is a display of the defeat of Satan by the victory of Christ, both in the Old and New Testament. Think of that now. That is absolutely explosive. And so God gives life to the dead and calls things 
that which do not exist as though they did. Now, why does he refer to life to the dead? Because Paul is teaching, or rather, God is teaching Abraham that this child that shall come to him is a miracle child, a miracle of God's creative power. He waited 24 years before giving this child to Abraham so that Abraham would realize there was no hope in his flesh and no hope in his wife's flesh to be able to produce this child. It's as if Abraham, in a moment of serendipity one night, said, if this is going to happen, it'll have to be a miracle. And it's as if God snapped his fingers and said, I've been waiting for you for 24 years to say that. God is going to produce a miracle. Our salvation and all that you have dreamed of that you uh, that has passed you by, all the goals that you had that never were fulfilled, they are to be fulfilled by the miracle of a miracle life, a resurrection life. This is not the world of life. I know it's hard to believe this, but do not think that this is life in which we live. This is a living death. We are under the power of death, and we are waiting for the resurrection in which all death will be killed, in which all death will die. Thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You can hear this program on your smartphone any time of the day or night. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And I wonder if you would please consider a donation to help the uh, radio broadcast continue. It's now in its 26th year. And uh, uh, I thank God for that, and I thank you for it, because you have been the supporter of this program. Send your donation then to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks very much then, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.